know some of us were uncomfortable and some things went ways we didn't want them to go. Just to know that God was still in control, that he was fully aware. Amen. And not just that, he was capable. Some people you, you put in control who aren't capable. But our God is capable. He, he can do it <laughs> because he knows what he's doing. Amen. We've been in a series of sermons preaching about relationship and religion. And last week, we went real deep, real fast, learning to know the difference between religion and relationship. And that's vital for our success, Christians, to be able to differentiate between What's religion? What is it? What is something I'm just doing because I think it's what I ought to do versus what I do because I love God and because he loves me? And I want to challenge the church to be refocused. And this that's what this sermon's going to do today. It's going to challenge us to refocus and to take our our focus off of ourselves and put our focus where it rightly belongs, on God and on his son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. When we do that, it'll help us to get out of our feelings. I got that from my son here. He, he put that on Facebook. I don't, you probably didn't even know I read, your fa- I read your Facebook posts when you put them on there, your Facebook sermons, your Facebook evangelisms. That's what Facebook should be used for, at least by believers. And so I read that. He said, get out of our feelings. Say to yourself, self, get out of your feelings. I don't want you to say it to anybody else because, you know, sometimes people take stuff wrong and can't believe she told me that. Well, pastor told her to tell you. So if you're going to you know, break your neck, break it at pastor. And he's still going to hug you anyway. Why are you snapping and stuff? Ah, stop it. I'm finished with that. Philippians 3 and 8. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Let me read that again. Yea, doubtless, and I count, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. I want to speak to you from the topic today, losing to win. Losing to win. I know some of you will be surprised that I know who Fantasia is. <laughs> and that I heard one of her songs. I did. And I liked it too. 
I'm going to say in front of the church, I liked her song. And she said, sometimes you got to lose. I know I'm not the only one that heard it then. Thank y'all for backing your pastor up and not leaving me out there on that limb by myself. Sometimes you got to lose to win again. Y'all got it. I like that song. Losing to win. You, sometimes you, and, and it's not really about losing so much as it is giving stuff up. Like, we could lose something. I lost money that I didn't mean to lose. I lost relationships that I did not initiate the loss of. But this is about us initiating the departure. You feel me? And, and really, it's got to come to a place where to gain him, we'd be willing to give up anything. And that's been on my mind for the last week is, is, is that, that, that we, we're holding on to things that are opposed to him or that are getting in the way of our relationship with him. And there's some things that he's just got to become more important than. And as we talked about last week, we got to get our priorities straight. If your priorities are out of whack, you know it. Because your worship is out of whack, your praise is not the same, your prayer life is ineffective, you know it. You don't even feel what you used to feel when you lift your hand. So you know when your priorities are out of order. Here's the, if you got to squeeze God into your schedule, if you got to find time to pray, if, if something got to go bad before you worship, if the only reason you praise is so blessings can come down, then your priorities are out of line. And that's not for me to decide. That, that's, that's for everybody in here to sit down and look at yourself and figure out. If you think more about yourself than you do God, if you care more about how people feel about you than what God thinks of your life, your priorities are out of what? Line. So, so we got to learn how to lose. And we've been taught to be winners, win, 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 but you got to learn how to lose because, because there's some things you can't win without losing. You got you to you just literally give some things up. I, re I recall that God tells Abraham, not a part of the sermon, but the revelation's flowing, so I'm going to go with it. He tells Abraham, uh, give up your son, kill him, take him to the mountain, kill him, your son, your only son. I know you love him. Put him, put him up. I want you to take him up on the mountain, and I want you to kill him. And Abraham, obedient leaves, obedient leaves out, takes his son, and he's got everything for the sacrifice except the lamb. And his son looks at him and said, Dad, we got everything we need for a sacrifice, but we're missing the lamb. And he said, God will provide. And he lays his boy out on the wood, and he's prepared to take a knife and kill his only son. And God stops him and says, Now I know you love me. And, and the reality is that he didn't have to physically give it up, but he had to let it go from his heart. He had to disconnect. Listen, he had to disconnect his heart from that thing. God had to see that he was first. And that's what that, that was the whole thing about. He never wanted him to kill him, but he wanted him to die in his heart. And I'm wondering if we could just let some stuff die in our hearts. Because you're not going to let it go physically until you let it die in your heart. And if it's still alive in your heart, even though you let it go physically, you'll go back and get it. I wish I had a witness here. Have you ever gone back to what you said you weren't going to never do again? Come on, have you ever done it? Have you ever promised God I'll never do it again another day in my life, but you went back and done That's because that thing was still attached to you. 
It was still living in your heart. Somebody said, I got to let it die in my heart. I got to, no, 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 I don't have to let it die. I got to kill it in my heart. I got to kill it at the source in order to be able to let it go. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, let it go. It's time to let it go. It's time to let the anger go. It's time to let the hurt go. It's, it's time to let what happened to you three churches ago go. It's, it's time for you to let what somebody did to you in a relationship way back 20 years ago go. It's time to let it what? Go. Somebody say, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. It's okay to take a loss. You'll win. I promise you, you'll win if you take a loss. Too much still living in our heart. We're still holding on to too much stuff. He had to let his son die. His son died at the foot of the mountain when his men said, come on. And he said, you stay here with the animals. Stay here. Me and the lad will come back later. We're going to do something. He had to have already died, Ed, in order for him to take the knife. His son was already dead to him. He had already let him go. He had already lost him. He lost him before he went to kill him. What is it that God wants you to lose? What are you holding on to? It's getting in the way. You got to look around it to see God. It's too much. It's too much if you want to hug somebody for somebody to be between y'all. Talk to me. You want to hug the one you love, but you got somebody. What if every time you went to hug your husband or your wife or your child, there was somebody in your way? Wouldn't at some point you say, get out of my way? At some point, if it didn't want to move voluntarily, wouldn't you move it yourself? Think about that. With you and God. Stuff getting in the way. Paul says, finally, my brethren. Go to verse 1. We're not going to be long. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. I think about how sometimes I find myself going back to the same scriptures. And, and, and I say, God, why did you take me back to this scripture? And he said, because you need to do it again. And you need to do it again until the people of God really get it. Because just because we heard it doesn't mean we heard it. Just because we were in the room doesn't mean we absorbed it and that it made a difference in our lives. And it has impacted the way we live. Because this is not just about, can I say that this is not an exercise in knowledge gaining. This word is supposed to transform our lives. So we're not supposed to come here just to learn more. You go to school for that. But even what you learn in school is supposed to impact you when you leave there. You don't go and learn reading, writing, and, reading, writing, and arithmetic just in school. You need to know how to count when you go to the store. You need to know how to read when you get your paycheck. Can I get a witness in here? Make sure that's your name on it and the numbers are right. Talk to me, somebody. You need to be able to count so that when they give you your change back, you know that they took your money. 
We need to, we need, we need to gain something. And he said, I'll, I'll, keep, I'll keep sharing this because it's good for you. That's what he said. I keep writing the same thing. I know it seems repetitive. No, I hadn't forgotten what I told you already. No, I hadn't run out of stuff to teach and to preach. I need to say this again because it's for your safety. What Paul is saying. What's for our safety? Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. Watch out for them. Pay attention. Be alert because dogs are running uh, loose in the neighborhood. Evil workers have have disguised themselves as workers of righteousness. Watch out for the ones that are trying to get you to go back to legalism and leave grace. You go both shot. Rejoice in the Lord. Everybody say rejoice in the Lord. How many of y'all got some stuff going on in your life? Come on, talk to me. Raise your hand. I want to read this to you, okay? This is not an admonition to some kind of superficial cheerfulness that closes his eyes to the surrounding circumstances. Paul's not asking you to act like it's not going on. That's superficial. I'm going to rejoice and act like I don't have a problem. No, that's not it. Rather, the apostle is inculating a positive Christian attitude of joy that finds outward expression in their lives and that realistically takes into account the adverse circumstances, trials, and pressures through which the Philippians were called to pass. In other words, you can look right at it but still give God the glory because you know that God is bigger, that God is better, that God is badder than whatever it is you're facing, and that that thing cannot stop God from blessing you, but that God can use that thing to bless you. Somebody in the church say amen. So now you can rejoice with your eyes open. You can look right at the problem and give God glory because you know this problem is not bigger than my God. There is nothing my God cannot do. So I rejoice anyway. In the face of trials, I rejoice. In the face of negative doctor's reports, I rejoice. In the face of people who don't like me, I rejoice. Somebody say, I rejoice. You better get in where you fit in. Come on here and say, I rejoice. What are you rejoicing in the face of? I wish you'd call his name out and go on and rejoice right here, right now. Go on and get some practice before you go home. Go ahead and do it around some people that believe like you believe. Come on, go on and get some rehearsal in right now. Call its name and say, I rejoice in your face. I see you. I know you're there. But God is here. And he's bigger and better than you'll ever be. And God is still worthy of all the glory. Let the church shout yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to rejoice anyway. Can't take my praise. Can't take my gratitude. Because my reality is I have more going right. And I'm going to thank God for that. I got more going right than I got going wrong. I'm breathing this morning. Somebody shout glory. Somebody said to me the other day, it's good to see you. I said, it's good to be seen. 
Oh, I wish I had a witness in here. It was good to talk to you. It's good to be able to talk. I'm going to be grateful, as my grandmother Louise used to say, for the teenche things, for the small stuff. I'm going to be thankful for the stuff that people overlook. Somebody say yes. The enemy can't take your joy. We used to sing a song, I still got joy. <laughs> After all the things I've been through. Come on, y'all remember that song. I'm sorry, I, 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 got, uh, I got caught up there. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, glory. Somebody say rejoice. Somebody grab your neighbor by the hand real good and tell him rejoice. You, you better not wait on it all to get perfect. You better not wait on it all to be perfect. You, you better not wait on it all to be fixed. Because if you do, you'll never rejoice. You, you'll, never, you'll never do it. I, you'll never do it. So you just got to be hard-headed. You just got to be stubborn. Got to be one of them stubborn praisers. I just, I'm going to praise him anyway. Amen. Amen. So beware. Beware of those dogs. Beware of them because they're running loose. Beware of them. Beware of them. It is a term used to describe the Gentiles. Remember the woman, the Syrophoenician woman, came to Jesus and asked, can you deliver my daughter from this demonic possession? And he says, it is not meat for me to give the children's bread to the dogs. And then she says, yes, but even the dogs. Ah! Boy, I'm about to lose track one more time. Even the dogs eat of the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Ah! God, even if I can't have a piece of bread, just let something fall on me. Oh, God, just, just let something fall on me because I know that what's in the bread and the loaf is in the crumbs. And if I could just get some of that, that's humility right there. The Gentile, that's what they call the Gentiles. The Jews call the Gentiles dogs. Paul's flipping the meaning. He's flipping the meaning, Jesus, because the Gentiles were seen as being outside of the covenant of faith. They had no covenant with God. And, but, but now he's flipping it, apostle, to describe the Judaizers. Yeah, yeah. I like to call them the legal eagles. Those who would go to the Gentiles and say, you've got to do this. You've got to wash your cups. You've got to wash your hands right. You've you got to do this. You've got to do that in order to be one of God's children. The legal people. Always telling you what you're doing wrong. Beware of them. Watch the ones. Watch out for them. Now, you saved by grace, but they're trying to add something else in there. Watch out for them because they're out there. They're out there judging you. Mm -hmm. Yes, they are because you wore jeans to church today. They're they out there judging you. Y'all talk to me today because your head ain't covered. They're out there judging you. I'm just going to go in and say it like I, 
like I feel it. They, they're judging you because you don't fit in with, with the rules. That's what they're doing to you, Ed. The evil workers, the evil workers, the evil workers, those who actively evangelize legalism to Gentile believers, therefore encouraging them to forsake the ministry of grace. Forget about that saved by grace stuff. You got to live a certain way in order for the Lord to bless you. And God don't hear a sinner's prayer. Well, if he don't hear a sinner's prayer, then how do the sinners get saved? I need somebody to explain this to me. I, I don't know, but if God didn't answer a sinner's prayer, some of us would have been dead and buried and in the grave. I know there were plenty of times that I, I was in the midst of my sin and I called out on him and, and he heard my plea and he, he, he answered for me I, all these rules. And who came up with this stuff? I don't see it in the Bible nowhere. Somebody help me out here. I, where is it that we got to follow all these multiplicity of rules and, and regulations? Wash your pot just right. Wash your hand just right. Don't move your car on Sunday. Don't breathe on Saturday. All of these rules is Judaizing. Let's get to the point, Paul. The concision. Who is the concision? Those who preach circumcision as a way to justification. The only way for you to be justified and have covenant with God is for you to cut away the flesh of your foreskin. If you do not do that, then you are not a true believer. Paul says, watch out for them. Watch out for them. Listen, he says, watch out for them because, because they're saying that con con circumcision is a condition of covenant with God. And though this is true, true in the Old Testament, yes, yes, now there is a new dispensation. Jesus has already torn down the middle wall of partition. It was evidence in the flesh when the veil of the temple was ripped from the top to the bottom. There is no middle man. Oh, the schoolmaster has retired and grace is now here. The scripture says that the law was a schoolmaster to hold us in place until Jesus came and manifested grace. Now that you got Jesus, you don't need the law. Because if the law were able to save you, it would have saved you. But the law is weak in the flesh because there's a fight in your flesh and you can't keep the rules if you want to. So even if you are a rule keeper, you're a rule breaker at the same time. Because if you break one law, you're broken them all. So don't talk to me about one thing I ain't doing right because you ain't doing something right too. So we all rule breakers. We all law breakers. But we're saved by grace. We are not saved by what we've done. We are not kept by what we do. It is grace from beginning. The author and the finisher of our faith. The originator, I'm borrowing it, Elder, and the terminator. His name is Jesus. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. That's why we saved. That's why we're redeemed. We could not keep it. We could not keep it. 
The law was given so we'd see that we were sinners. And so we would see our need for a Savior. The law is weak because of the flesh. Because it takes us being perfect. So even if I take on circumcision, I'm probably going to mess something else up. I might forget to wash my cup. Why do your disciples eat with dirty hands? Why do you mistreat your mom and dad? That's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said. The Bible said, the, the, the law of Moses said, you're supposed to honor your mom and dad. You're supposed to cover them. You're supposed to take care of them. But see, y'all done came up with a way that y'all don't even have to do that, and you made it legal. You added that. But your selfish selves. You won't honor your mom and dad because you want to look out for yourself. Asking me about why my disciples eat with dirty hands. Why are you dirty? Huh? Why are you looking me up and down trying to figure out why I ain't doing this and why, you, why aren't you showing some love? Why aren't you being compassionate, huh? Why aren't you patient? Why aren't you kind? Full of gifts but no grace. I'd rather be filled with the fruit of the Spirit and be authentic. Somebody say relationship. I don't deserve to be in this position, but he loved me. My pastor always tell me I married up. He ain't telling me nothing new. I knew I married up from the day I married her. She walked down the aisle. I couldn't believe she was going to be mine. Talk to me, somebody. Do I have any other brothers that know what I'm talking about in this room? I know, I, I know God blessed me real good. Nothing I did to deserve that. This salvation thing even more. He chose me. Y'all remember that scripture? You did not choose me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. Don't act like you the one that initiated this relationship. Jesus said, I'm the one that came after you. And he said, some of y'all I had to chase. Some of y'all I had to pursue you. Because I'd be good to you and you walk away anyway. But I stayed after you. I refused to give you up. Some of y'all, after we went together, you left me. After, you, after we were going together, you walked away from me. But I'm married to the backslider, he said. I refuse to let you go. And I know because I'm a backslider. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Oh, but he was married to me. and said, I'll take you back. Come on back to me. These dogs, these evil workers in the concision are the same people. He's describing one type of person, but he uses three terms to do it. 
okay? There are those who are placing the emphasis on external observances as evidence of your justification. But they're not worrying about the fact that there's an internal transformation that is the evidence of your justification and covenant with God. It's not about what you do. It's about who you are now. And who you are directly influences what you do. You do not do something to become. You become and now you do. I do because I am. Not to become. That's the reality. Some people are doing to become righteous. No, I do righteous stuff because I am the righteousness of God. Can't help myself. I'm only sharing the love that's been shed abroad in my heart. See, that's the thing. We are now. We are his children, so we act like it. We don't act like his child to become his child. Your children are your children by birth. Had nothing to do with it. They're yours. And sometimes you look at them and wonder. Y'all... Sometimes you look at them and wonder, is that my kid acting like that? That ain't, I know that ain't my child. I hear talking like that. That ain't my. They yours. See what I'm saying? Then sometimes you look at them and you say, boy, that joker act just. Y'all ain't. Come on, y'all. What they act just like, sometimes the stuff you're trying to get out of them is the stuff that was in. I ain't talking about nobody. I'm just talking about what I'm talking about. But if you're real about it, go on and wave your hand in the air. Wave them like you just don't care. Sometimes that attitude is something that used to be in. used to be just. I used to get smacked in the mouth for that same thing. Can I get about three witnesses at least? I know I got about 30, but I need about three witnesses at least. They'll say, that was me right there. That was me right there. Get this. Get this. I had my father's mannerisms even though I didn't grow up with him. My mother would tell me, you act just like your father, and I did not grow up with him. A lot of the way I handle money, the way I handle business, my whole demeanor, not being a person where you can see my feelings all out in my face. I get that from my dad. Dry humor. Tell a joke and don't smile. I get that from my dad. And I did not grow up with him because his DNA is in me. My father is in me. So I act like him. That's what you act like your father because your father is in you. That's why you forgiving people and you didn't think you had the power to forgive them because your father is in you forgiving. Somebody say, I'm glad I got my daddy in me. All right, I got to hurry because I told y'all I wouldn't be long. I got to hurry. Woo! Look at what he says. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. 
Notice there are three things. You got the dogs, the evil workers, and the concision. On this side, you have those who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh, one for each one. The real circumcision is that which takes place in the heart. The real working, the real cutting away is that which takes place in here. That is prophesied in the Old Testament. I will take away your stony heart and replace it with a heart of flesh. I believe that's in Ezekiel. It's written there. It's said our hearts are going to change when Jesus enters our lives. And when your heart changes, you change. That's why when we tried to get our lives right, Clay, you remember when they invited us to come be saved, Apostle? Elder, and we said, we're not going to play with God. Y'all remember that? You remember that, Ed? Oh, I'm not going to play with God. I'm going to get my life right first. And then I'm going to come to Jesus. But we couldn't get our life right. Oh, we tried. And then we just went on and came to Jesus. And lo and behold, here we are. Before Jesus, you couldn't get me to come to church this many Sundays in a row. I came on communion Sunday and sat on the back row. Easter, y'all came then too. Funeral, came then too. And family reunion. Other than that, I was home washing my car. You need to go to church. You know, we were raised in the church. Girl, I got to wash my car. The game coming on at 11. It's a beer in the refrigerator. Y'all ain't going to talk to me. That was my mindset. You'd have told me then I'd be doing what I'm doing now. Got to be my father. Lord, have mercy. I'm talking about my heavenly father on this one now. Got to be my father. Am I right, uncle? Got to be my father. Yeah, that, that's with a circumcision. And, and look, look what he said. Though I might have also, I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof, he might trust in the flesh, uh, I more. So he's saying, see, th these people put their trust in the flesh. And he says, but you know what? I, I, I could have had confidence in the flesh too. He said, in fact, I could have had more confidence in my flesh than any of them jokers. That's what, that's what he was saying because he's saying those who trust in the law to save them or to make them righteous or to keep in the rules, he said they put in their trust in their flesh. But Paul is saying I have more of a right to put my trust in my flesh than any of them do. And now he begins to give the list of reasons why he can do that. First reason, verse 5, circumcised the eighth day. That's according to the law. Of the stock of Israel. Of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, which means both my mother and my father, Lord, help me here, were Hebrews. As touching the law, I was a Pharisee. 
Mm, that's his pedigree and his upbringing. Y'all with me? Concerning zeal? You want to hear about zeal? Man, I persecuted the church. Yeah, this is Paul now. Touching righteousness, which is in the law, Paul says, I was blameless. He's talking about personal achievement. So first he gives us a list of his pedigree and his upbringing. And then he takes us to his personal achievement. Now watch this. Now watch verse 7. Watch verse. This is so powerful. He says, but what things were gained to me? Those I counted loss. Now what used to be my, what used to be to my profit? What used to be an advantage? What used to be a benefit to me? Paul said, now I count it loss. Now the word loss means the advantage became a disadvantage. What I used to see is a good thing and not a bad thing. My upbringing, my, up, my, my upbringing and my pedigree, he says, I, I don't put as much faith in that anymore as now I, I put in Jesus. I, I don't put uh, as much faith in my personal achievements and my ability to live right for God as I do in the saving grace of our Savior. Stay with it now. The, the, the word loot, loot, loss means loosen, 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 loosen. You loosen. Take that kung fu grip off of it. Paul said, I made a decision to let it go. I didn't lose it. I really gave it up. When I was a child, I acted like a child, spoke like a child. All the thought like a child. But when I became a man, my mama and daddy came and took my childish things away. The Lord touched me one day, and my childish things disappeared. When I became a man, I put away. We're asking God to take our toys. God saying, I'm waiting on you to put them away. Take away this anger. He said, put it away. Take away this attitude. He said, put it away. Because if I take it, you go back and find it. The evidence that you don't want it anymore is that you give it up. You ever had somebody take something you really wanted? You walk in the house with a good piece of cake, and you've been taught to ask people if they want some. Oh, I got a church in here this morning. It's a church in here this morning, I tell you. And, and, and because you've been taught that way, Nelson, you, you say you want some. But in your heart of hearts, you're saying, oh, Lord, I sure want. I sure hope they say No. Please, Jesus, let them say no. I see you back there, Sherry. Please, Lord, let them say no. And then they say yes. And everything on the inside of you just wave your hand if you know what I'm talking about. And then you, you, cut, off, you, you cut off a piece. Come on. And you, you, cut, you start cutting small and say, I want more than that. Come on, y'all. 
in your mind, you're saying, I shouldn't have offered you none in the first place. And you cut it and you, you gave it to them and they, they, they what? They took it. They, they, they what? They took it. They what? Took it. But you still wanted it. That's why God won't take it. Because if he takes it, you might still want it, and you go and retrieve it again. So God says, I need you to give it up. That's how I know you don't want it no more. Somebody say, I don't want it. You know what it is you don't want. You got you to gotta kill it in your heart or else you won't loosen. You hold on. But in order for me to drop this tie, I got to loosen. You feel me? Paul said, I loosen my affection for that stuff. And as I loosen my grip on it, Ethel, my grip on Jesus. Strength him. Because it's hard, Smitty, for us to hold him and it. One of them going to slip. Come on, one of them going to slip. That's why you say you can't serve God and mammon. Because mm. you're going to love one. You're going to hate the other. What does that mean? You're going to give one of them up for the other one day. One day, one day, they're going to come together and they're going to both say, you got to choose. That stuff in our life, it don't want to be second. And Jesus definitely don't want to be second. So what happens is the things we holding on to, and Jesus are standing in front of us, looking at us, saying, choose ye this day. You're going to have to let that go in order to have Jesus. that sink in. I remember when I first started dating Pastor Leslie, had another young lady I was seeing. She already knows. She already knows. I was, I mean, come on, let's truth be told. I wasn't, I, and let me say this here. Somebody said, somebody, somebody was talking to me, I ain't going to tell who it was, protect the innocent. They said that uh, somebody was dealing with somebody and they found out that they weren't single. I said, oh, they were married. They said, no, they were dating somebody else. I said, no, they were single. Somebody who dating somebody is single. You're not married until you put a ring. This whole dating thing convoluted. I'll talk about that another time. People in these pseudo-marriage relationships. Talking about I ain't single, he ain't single. You might not be single, but that ain't how he thinking. 
anyway, 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 I was dating, I, w- I was seeing another young lady. And, 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 and I realized that Pastor Leslie wasn't the type of young lady to put up with that kind of stuff. She ain't the only one in here. If you're going to see me, you're going to see me. Ladies, raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah? That's, that's the real stuff. So I had to decide which one. Hey, y'all, come on. So I looked at Pastor Leslie and I said, pretty, pretty job, unemployed. <laughs> no, I'm telling you the truth. Car, she calling me for a ride. She gave me a card to thank me for taking her on the date. She ain't even say thank you. <laughs> 28 years later. What I'm saying is, one day, you're going to have to choose. My anger, Jesus. My pride, Jesus. My money, Jesus. It's looking real bad. (laughs) Come on, y'all. It's looking real bad for this over here. Because money never died for me. My pride can't save me. I'm choosing. I love y'all. <laughs> let's, let's hurry up. Let's hurry up. I'm sorry. We got to quit. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, right? For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Y'all got that? Watch this now. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dumb that I may win Christ. So first he said, he says, uh, I, 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 I counted, and then he said, I count, and then he said, I do count. So he counted in the past. He said, I count. And he said, I do count. So he's saying, I used to, I, I counted one time. Uh, uh, I'm still counting now. And I'm going to keep counting. Because in my life, I'm going to always come up to this place where something is going to try to get between me and Jesus. And I'm going to have to make a choice. That's not going to stop happening. It's going to be every day of your life, stuff is going to present itself that's going to try to compete with your affection for him. And you're going to have to choose Jesus every day. So you're on your job Monday, and somebody's going to say something to make you mad. And you got to choose acting out in your flesh or Jesus. Which one you love most? See, there it is. Every day we have to make a choice for Jesus. I'm going to tell you, religion ain't going to help you with that. <laughs> you're going to have to have that relationship. It's going to have to be that love for him. It's going to have to be that love for him that makes you give everything else up. I like it. Good stuff, Paul. That Paul is a writer. You hear me? He's a writer. He, he's so amazing. I love the way he writes. It just blows my mind. So Paul, Paul gave up his pedigree, his upbringing, and his personal achievements. The question is, what are we willing to give up? 
What profit, what advantage, what benefit, what thing, what activity, what attitude, what person, what possession? What is it that we are willing to say, Christ is more important to me than this? Because it's going to come to that. No, it has already come to that. Lord, have mercy, Jesus. Paul says, in a literal way, I counted all things lost, I count all things lost, and I do count them. Count it means to be of the opinion, to consider, or to regard. So his pedigree was something he really couldn't get away from. His upbringing is something he couldn't get away from. What he had achieved is not something he can literally get away from. But his mind changed about him. The way he saw that changed. He said, I don't see that as important as I used to. One time that meant the world to me. Don't matter much no more. See, as you grow in your relationship with him, other stuff don't matter much no more. Like, you know, you're in love with the person you're in love with. If they love you, you're good. So if somebody else don't love you, it's okay. Because you know who loves you, right? See, that's what I'm saying. That's, that's the thing. When you get in this relationship with Jesus, Everything else start becoming less important. It's his perception. They didn't have the same value anymore. Jesus, Jesus was simply worth more to him. That's what he was saying. He was saying, one day Jesus became worth more to me. Not like I didn't have other stuff. I had plenty. You know how you try to sell people, Elder Smith, Brother Darian, Apostle, Pastor Leslie, you know, you guys who are ministering to people. Uh, Pam in the back, we, we ministering to people, and you, you're trying to share, you know, with people, you know, y'all, so-and-so, so-and-so, and they looking at you like you don't know. They look at you sideways like you've never been in that situation before. You're an elder. You don't know how I feel. You don't know what I'm talking about. You don't, you don't know what this is like. And Paul is trying to say, no, I get it, but I had to make the decision I'm asking y'all to make. I had plenty of stuff to boast about, but I gave it up. So sometimes, you know, I share my testimonies, and some people say that's not wise. Eh, okay. I share my testimony because I want everybody who hears me preach to realize I know. I was not born with this mic in my hand. I have not always been a pastor. I have not always been a preacher. I have not always been saved. I have not always been a good person. So I understand having to give up some stuff. I get it. And that's what Paul is saying to us. So it's got to be about value, right? Because what you value, you love. And what you love, you want to keep. Hmm. Hmm. If you value it, you guard it. That's why you don't give everybody your credit information. That's why you don't let just anybody in your house. You value your flat screen. Y'all better talk to me. I value mine. That thing costs money. That's why I don't throw my money away. I save. I See, that you, when you, what you value, you guard. Do you value your relationship with Jesus enough to guard it? 
worship. I'm ending with this, worship. From the old English word, worth-ship. Worth, W-O-R-T-H-S-H-I-P. Worth-ship. It implies that how you respond to God is based on your valuation of him. It implies that how you respond to God is based on how much he's worth to you. So if he's worth it, you'll let the other stuff go. But if he's not, and your value of him is too low, and your value of self is too high, you'll hold on when you should be letting go. Want to be in a relationship? Jesus says, I'll tell you what a relationship with me looks like. He says, you got to hate your mother and your father. Your brother and your sister and even yourself. You want to know what a relationship looks like with me? He says, you got to deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. He says, I'm going I'm to define my relationship because I want you to know you can't follow me any kind of way. Me and you can't go together with you making up rules as you go. So I'm going to make it clear what being in love with me look like. Therefore, if you're going to say I'm yours and you're mine, you already know the rules. He's not going to be second. He is either Lord of all or not at all. The way that goes. So just like Paul had to make that choice, we have to make that choice. We made it but we got to keep making it. He says, some stuff I, I suffered the loss of. It means there was some stuff he lost that he kind of wanted to. <laughs> but he says, nah, Jesus means more. Does Jesus mean more? Lord God, we thank you for the word. You mean more to us than anything else. I pray if there's anyone here who's in that struggle between themselves and you, I pray today, God, that by your grace, you will win out. I pray that right now you will open their heart and their eyes to see that nothing is of more worth, more value than you. You died for them on the cross to redeem them from all their sins, to heal them from all their sicknesses. I pray that today they'll see that clearly. I pray that someone will make a decision for you today. When we offer salvation, somebody will say, I choose Jesus who chose me. Here I am, Lord. I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. When you come today and give your life.